Welcome to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com, the show that's all about handwriting analysis. Now, here's your host, Dave Grayson. Hello, you're at the right place. Handwriting Secrets Revealed. I'm Dave Grayson, and we are here to talk about handwriting analysis. Uh, Today we have two questions. Can you take criticism? And do you write like the rich and famous? But first, we want to remind you to go to our website, handwritingsecretsrevealed.com, of course, and uh, you'll see a couple things covered. One thing that's covered is entrepreneur, uh, ways that you can avoid hiring mistakes, maybe finding the right person to work with you, become your business partner, maybe to find out if you are capable of being an entrepreneur. It takes a lot of... Uh, different traits to be able to do that because you're like a juggler handling many different things at the same time. So um, uh, look into that, please. Also on our website, there's a, a spot for job seekers. If you're an employee and you want to know what's required for your particular pos- the position you're looking to fill, oftentimes you're never quite sure what kind of traits you want to look into to find a job like that. So you contact us. We look at different samples of writing, and uh, we can fill you in on a lot of information that way. Compatibility. Maybe you have, uh, you're thinking of getting married. Maybe you're thinking, enter, thinking of entering into a, a nice relationship, a good relationship, possibly a long-lasting relationship. Maybe you're looking at somebody to, as we talked earlier with the entrepreneur, somebody to partner with. Well, we do the analysis of both people, you and the person that you want to um, find out about. And then in that way, you know whether you made the right decision, whether you want to go with that person or not, what is best for you and your company or your desires. Personal development, a big one. That's what we get most requests for. People just want to, they're curious. They want to find out about themselves, what they can do, what they can't do. What are their qualities? Um, we see ourselves one way. Other people see ourselves a, a different. So the personal development one will kind of guide you through uh, how you're seen by other people. Vocational. Maybe you just graduated from high school or junior college or college, and you maybe either know what you want to do or you're unsure of what you want to do. Well, we can kind of do a nice... Uh, graphic profile of the different skills you have and maybe where the best place would be for you to look for a job under what type of uh, areas, whether it's a business area or a scientific area. Children's handwriting, uh, we do a lot in that. Uh, we can help your child improve their grades. We can help your child improve their, their self-esteem. Uh, there's just so many things that, that we can do to help children through their handwriting. So uh, that's a, a very valuable one. You can also purchase my earlier book uh, from that site, Better Understanding Your Child Through Handwriting, and that will give you a lot of information about children and your child and their handwriting. Uh, genealogy is a section. That's where uh, you can find out more, at least the personality of uh, a great-great-great-uncle or great-great-great-grandfather or grandmother or some of that sort that you have basic information about, but you're not quite sure uh, what their personality was. Well, we can, if you have a little bit of their writing, we can certainly uh, find out about it through the writing that you send us. Now, even if it's printing, a lot of time there's still printing uh, back in the 16th, 17th, 18th century. Well, we can still tell from that. A little more difficult, takes us a lot more time, but we can certainly do it from printing. To learn cursive. Many schools are not teaching cursive anymore since No Child Left Behind and now Common Core neither require cursive testing or cursive to be taught, so cursive is not taught in many school districts. However, they're finding that there's a large lack of coordination of the body, uh, coordination of eye and hand. And so many states, uh, four, excuse me, three this year 
have uh, brought back cursive and mandated that cursive again is placed in the curriculum because they're finding out that learning cursive has great control of the the brain controls the fingers and it, it really increases um, the ability to function. And then graphotherapy is what we're going to talk about a little bit about today, and that's ways to uh, improve yourself. To, you have some faults you want to correct. Well, you can do that through graphotherapy. But one of our first questions we said at the beginning of the day was, um, are you too sensitive to criticism? Well, can you handle a little honest feedback? The loops in certain letters in your handwriting reveal how sensitive you really are to criticism. The size of the loop in the stem of the letter D. Write the word, if you have a pencil or paper, write the word dog, D-O-G, just naturally like you normally would. Now take a look at the, the D. It reveals, the D does, reveals how sensitive someone is to personal criticism. We're going to, we're talking about the size of the loop. Now when you make the D, you make that little cup at the beginning, and then the loop goes up into the upper zone of the writing. And that's what we're going to talk about. Remember we said many times that any loop anywhere is criti- is imagination. So imagination plays within this area of, of criticism. Now take a look at the lowercase d that you made, or there's a lowercase d on the screen if you're looking on the computer. If it's huge, like an inflated balloon, you had better be careful with your words, because a narrow stem with no loop means the person doesn't exaggerate or imagine other people's critical thoughts. But the bigger the loop, the more intense is the fear of criticism. Watch out for huge balloon-like D-loops that almost look like a, a small balloon. These people are usually, they usually imagine untrue motivations from those around them, and eventually they turn on them. In other words, everything you say to them is thrown way out of proportion within their mind. If you say you don't like the way they're, they walk, you don't like them, you don't like how they dress, you don't like their friends, you don't like what they eat, they just imagine everything. Because remember that loop is imagination. So the bigger the loop, the more things they read into what you say. In a phrase, words do hurt. You know, we've heard six and stones will break my bones and words will never harm me. Well, they won't physically harm you, but they can certainly do deep inside. What people say or what we think can hurt worse than sticks or stones. This is one of the most common road blocks in people. That sensitive D, the D that's made with a big loop. An analogy I like to use is this. Imagine imagine you have an open wound on your arm. You would most likely create a bandage or a sling or simply be very careful not to expose it to any elements. One grain of salt could really cause a lot of pain on that wound. People's negative thoughts or negative comments would like would be like grains of salt being shoved into that open wound. When this occurs, you can't help but react. People react by running away or by fighting back. People with large loops in their lowercase d stems are very, very sensitive. You must watch these people carefully as they are often ir- irrational in their assessments of criticism. So if you have a friend or someone who does that, instead of criticizing them directly on, come around from the side. Talk about it in a third person, about somebody else. But don't come right at them because they're going to be very upset, very uptight, and they're not going to forget that. Again, remember, that's imagination, and imagination lasts for a long time. Retracing the D-loop is like healing an open wound. In other words, again, the large open letters, you get a wound, uh, the large open uh, loop, you get a wound, you put salt on it, it hurts. 
if the loop is pretty much closed, then you're not going to hurt as much. Now, we all tend to have that loop open a little bit. So when you ride a D, there usually is a little loop there. That's good because we should be somewhat sensitive because you don't want to act like a big jerk in front of everybody else. So that causes us to be a little cautious, a little sensitive to what's going on around us. So a small loop is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a little imagination going in. You've got to think about things. But the large loop is very negative. Uh, it's hard to work with people and deal with people and, and, and handle people like that. Does fear criticism make a person bad? No. Does it make for a bad employee? Not necessarily. It does, however, make us have strained relationships with those around us. If they have a large loop D, it's somewhat many times difficult to work with them. Other people have to walk on eggshells around a D-loop person's sensitive feelings because everything you say, even a look, you give them a look and they're going to think you you hate them, you're mad at them, you're angry at them, you're upset with them, you're going to go after them. I would go so far as to say a very large balloon-shaped D-loop is usually a big negative. And we don't like to talk about negative terms in handwriting analysis because everything can kind of be in proportion to everything else. However, the large D-loop is pretty much a negative trait. A large fear of criticism usually causes a person to lean on his defense mechanisms to handle the imaginary pain he feels. Again, imaginary pain because it's imagination. That large loop is imagination. So he's imagining you're being cruel to him. You're not just criticizing that person. You're not saying she looks, does a certain way, or maybe she doesn't type the paper a certain way the way you want it or fill out the form the way you want it. If you attack her and tell her you've got to do it this way, you're going to create a big problem. Uh, there'll be a large separation between you and that person. But if you say, you know, some people do it this way and we find this way much easier, if you can convince them to come up with the idea, then you've got it made. Do you have a loop in the lowercase d? A total retraced short d stem means that you don't give a hoot about what people are thinking about you. So if there's no loop at all, you don't really care. You can still have compassion without being irrational and without feeling that emotional pain. Wouldn't that be a good way to relate to people? Just kind of, all right, tell me, you told me, I'll deal with it and move on. If you have big loops in the D or the T and you are tired of feeling unnecessarily emotional pain, start retracing those letters. It's hard to do because if you're used to always making that large loop, to then all of a sudden stop and make it different, it's difficult. But if you can start making a D where there's only a, a small loop, a much smaller loop, it's going to help you a lot. You, it's going to change your handwriting because it's going to change your personality a bit. It's going to make a big difference for you. And that's called graphotherapy where we take something and change it. So uh, if you do make that large D, don't be critical and upset because I'm saying it. You will be. You'll think, oh, that's not true. That's not real. He's just making that up. But try to make your D so that it's kind of closed uh, uh, or not as, as big of a loop. Again, it's good to have a little loop because you do want to be a little sensitive. You don't want to be so hard shell that you don't give a hoot about anything. I changed the way... I looped my D's when I was about 14 years old. It made a huge difference. And as a bonus, my sarcasm that used to hurt people's feelings turned to wit because I used it then to kind of protect myself. Now I use it as a sense of humor. So when you aren't sensitive, there's no need to lash out and, and try to hurt other people. You become friends with them. You can work with them and you can deal with them. So the sensitive to criticism, the large D loop is uh, a trait many people have, 
and sometimes it's a basis for their whole negative attitude that they find. It really occurs in an office area. We have 10, 15 people maybe working or just a large company, and you have uh, several people with that D-loop. It creates problems for everybody within the the field that works there. So um, be cautious of that sensitive D-stem and try to narrow that up. We're going to take a break. And we come back, we're going to find out if you write like the rich and famous. This is Handwriting Secrets Revealed. I'm Dave Grayson. Be back in a moment. And now, more Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com. Here's Dave Grayson. Thank you, and welcome back. We're talking today about some graphotherapeutic situations. We have a uh, website, Change Your Handwriting, Change Your Life, and we can do this in many different ways. But uh, what we're going to talk about now is, uh, do you write like you're rich and famous? It's really about the science of graphotherapy. There's lots of kinds of therapy. There's art therapy. There's speech therapy. But this is graphotherapy, grapho meaning handwriting. After I started to study the science of handwriting analysis, I realized that all great men and women are were within my ability to study. If I could find just a sample of their writing, I could get a clue into their characters. If I knew which habits or personality traits they possessed, I could model them. That would try to be more like someone that I admired. How often in school, I'm sure you remembered, when the teacher would write something on the board, have a certain way of making a letter, you would try to make letters the same way. That's because you you uh, admired them, and so you want to model their behavior. <coughs> Excuse me. About Upon embarking on my research, I discovered that Benjamin Franklin had this idea 200 years before I ever did. It is said that he would go so far as to copy a great man's, somebody that he knew well, penmanship, to get a feel for whom he was. Maybe Ben was the first graphotherapist. Somebody he admired, he liked, he tried his best to incorporate that style into his penmanship. One of the most effective tools I've used or taught for people to change themselves is the science of graphotherapy. For years, I did counseling. Uh, I started doing the counseling without using much handwriting analysis because I was just learning it at the time, back in the 70s. And then when I really became, when I became certified and master certified as a handwriting analyst, then I began to use it in all my counseling sessions. And it just cut down the counseling in half. We didn't need as much time as many ways because I could help the person help themselves through their handwriting. But when I was just about 14 years old, a handwriting analyst suggested that I begin to immediately immediately raise my T-bars. I was making my cr- the crossbar on the T very low. As I sat in awe of this wise man, my brain thought, you've got to be kidding. You Raise my T-bars? I didn't understand anything at the time. The man was Jack Schultz, who worked for the University of Illinois at Circle Campus at that time. And the interesting thing was, he was a handwriting analyst, but he was more involved in the question document work. They would get all kind of phony uh, letters, phony statements, phony diplomas from different high schools for people trying to get into the University of Illinois. And his job was to track those down and find out which were phony. But he started out as a, <coughs> excuse me, as a handwriting analyst. He spoke with congruent confidence about the hundreds of clients and friends over the past 20 previous years who he had seen profound results in using handwriting analysis. In my case, I had more than just the T, the crossbar of the T to fix. I had to deprogram my stubbornness, 
oversensitivity to criticism like we talked about earlier, self-consciousness, and boost my self-esteem. And looking back, I'm sure Mr. Schultz was probably praying that my sarcasm would, would find its way to the exit as well. Luckily, at the age of just 14, I listened. I thought about the simple risk versus reward system for making a decision. Step one, what happens if this succeeds? Step two, what happens if this does not succeed? My answer is simple. If Mr. Schultz's advice succeeded in transforming me, wow. On the other hand, if this changing the handwriting trick did not succeed, I would be stuck with the funny-looking little letter T for the rest of my life. Not a tough decision, really. Hmm. Wealth, women, and wisdom versus a silly T-bar. The reward was clearly worth the risk. In fact, I couldn't think of a downside. My handwriting was terrible anyway. It was illegible, so now it would be illegible, but with different letter formations. So, so what? As it turned out, my handwriting became more legible over the coming years. My T-bars are still crossed at the top of the stem. That means setting goals, long-range goals. And the strokes of stubbornness and self-consciousness and oversensitivity to criticism are almost gone. They occasionally pop back in because sometimes some things are so rooted in you that they're there. But when you catch yourself making those negative things, maybe the larger D or uh, a stubbornness stroke, which is like a letter T made like a tent, an Indian tent, um, you can correct yourself right away. So I learned a lot by working these things on myself. The real test was what I found in the results. The first thing I noticed was my tendency to think more of myself, not in a bad way, but have more confidence. I was a student who actually liked to study. Before I didn't study, I didn't do well. But all these little things that improved my characteristics improved me. And uh, this is surprising. I found myself one day walking into the high school counselor's office requesting that I be moved to a more challenging English class because I was bored. I would never have done that before, believe me. Then I found myself asking the prettiest girl in school out on a date. And she said no. But since I began to erase the fear of failure, I asked out someone else. It didn't take long to develop some better rapport with skills. I even noticed my grades were improving. So because I was turned down, because I was told no, I didn't shrink down and fall apart and and not handle it. I just learned by being more secure, by having that self-discipline and self-respect that, okay, she said no, I'll go to the next person. Same way when looking for a job. If you can learn how to have a good self-esteem, you can get turned down. It's frustrating. It's upsetting. But it doesn't beat you down. Okay, you said, no, I'll go to somebody else. I'll find a better job. That's how you're, you're, you think when you have a good self-image. If you have a poor self-image, well, certainly they're not going to hire me. No, neither is anybody else. So why try? It's not, it's not worth it. So um, having a, a healthy self-esteem is very important. A person who is successful has simply formed the habit of doing things that unsuccessful people will not do. Dexter Yeager said that, a philosopher. Again, a person who is successful has simply formed the habit of doing things that unsuccessful people will not do. Now, the following personality traits are typical of rich and happy people. Clearly, there are many exceptions to this list. In fact, only a handful of people I've studied have all of them in their handwriting. Nobody's perfect. Just because it isn't in their handwriting doesn't mean they don't sometimes display this characteristic. 
handwriting analysis shows us the personality traits that are most prevalent. I've never met a miserable, impoverished, mean-spirited person who displayed any of these successful characteristics. Once you hear the list, I think you'll agree with the success traits, as we call them, because they provide the success traits a powerful foundation for anyone's journey towards success and happiness. I'll give you the details on a couple of these traits, and in future weeks we're going to talk about more about some of these success traits. The essential success traits of the rich and happy are high self-esteem, sense of self-worth, high goals, persistence, strong self-confidence, healthy ego, determination, optimism, enthusiasm, strong physical drives, integrity, and honesty. Those are things we work on. When we do graphotherapy, we first look for some of those in the the person's handwriting. Will they fit the success traits of the rich and happy? Well, uh, if we find none, then we have to be honest with the person and say it's going to be very difficult for you. But all of the traits, and I'll list them again, if you don't have them, they can all be become part of your personality through graphotherapy. Again, it's high self-esteem, increase of self-worth, setting high goals, persistence, which we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later, strong self-confidence, a healthy ego, determination, optimism, enthusiasm, strong physical drives, integrity, and honesty. When you see that in someone, even two-thirds of those traits, they're going to be very successful. People with uh, success now, people in uh, CEOs and head of corporations, they have many of these traits that we just mentioned because it's really an important part of them. There's some supportive traits, depending upon the career choice, that's also important. And they are desire for responsibility, intelligence, deep enduring emotions, imagination, diplomacy, flexibility, sense of humor, acquisitiveness, self-reliance, leadership, and pride. Those are things we look for. Not every strong, successful person needs all of those, but there's a few in there depending upon your your position in your corporation or the type of company that you have or the type of company you want to build. Sometimes you need a lot more responsibility or you need someone with responsibility. We help you find somebody and show you how to find responsibility. Uh, intelligence. We can easily see the intelligence. We can't tell IQ from the handwriting. You can't give me a, a sample of your writing and say, oh, you've got 127 IQ. We can't do that, but we can tell you how you think, the way you think, uh, ways to improve your thinking, and so all those things will kind of improve. Uh, deep emotions. Sometimes you want to get very emotional within a corporation. Other times you don't. Self-reliance. Everybody needs to be self-reliant, so that's an important trait. And, of course, leadership is important, but you could be head of a corporation and not be the leader as, as such. You can have someone else be the leader, but you, you're the one in charge. And then there's pride. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we return, we're going to talk about persistence, how strong and powerful the trade of persistence is. You're listening to TalkZone.com, Handwriting Secrets Revealed. Let's return to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Dave Grayson. Welcome back. We're talking about Do You Write Like the Rich and the Famous? We're going to talk right now a few minutes about persistence. Persistence is the power to shape the future and is earned through persistence. Again, the power to shape 
the future is earned through persistence. No other quality is as essential to success. It is the sandpaper that breaks down all resistance and sweeps away all obstacles. It is the ability to move mountains one grain of sand at a time. We do not want to underestimate the trait of persistence. Strokes that double back over the letter and end toward the right indicate persistence. The trait is usually located in the letter T and the letter F. The person has the quality of not giving up when confronted with temporary setbacks. They will persist until they complete the task. That's so important. Uh, you need to not just give up when something isn't going well. You have to go at it after and after and after it. When you see this in someone's handwriting, persistence that is, realize that they are very powerful people. Persistence show in very powerful people. And they tend to hit the wall and then break through it with great triumph and success. The only downside of persistence is that they often stay on one path too long before they realize there could have been another path with less resistance. I like to explain the story of the fly who is at a window at a screen trying to get out. He keeps going out and banging his head against the screen, his body against the screen. He keeps going the same way trying to get through when right next to him, there is no screen in that window. It's wide open. But he's going to stay in that one spot and keep going through. So persistence is great because it's going to get you where you want to. But you also have to open your eyes a bit to see if maybe this persistence isn't, is working, but not the quite, quite the way I want it to. So I have to shift a little bit. Like the fly, if he just moved over three inches, he'd be out free. Persistence is shown by a double-cross T-bar. Not a T-bar that just has two lines, but a double-cross because it's made to look like a star. I'm sure you've seen T's that almost look like little stars. That's what we're talking about, and that is persistence. Or in the letter F, there's an upper loop and a lower loop in the little F, in the small case F. When it comes to the baseline, sometimes there's a little hook before it moves forward. That's persistence. But in the T, it's very easy to spot because it looks like the uh, like a star. If you think about the draw of drawing a star on the side of a Dallas Cowboys helmet, you go down, up to the left, never pick up your pen, and go back to the right. That's the persistent T crossing. One metaphor for remembering this trait is someone hitting difficulty head-on, then going back into the past, evaluating what works and what doesn't work, and then coming back toward the issue head-on. Of course, all the while, never picking up the pin. But in the same way with people, it's they're going forward, but it's not quite working, so they'll go back again. That's that stroke going back to make part of the star. They think about what happened in the future, what or in the past, what did I do, how can I improve? Then they move forward again, and that goes through the T-crossing again. I love what Thomas Edison said. He said, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that it doesn't work. And that was his attitude. He didn't fail. It just, I did it, it didn't work, so I'll go on the next step. He had persistence. And if you think of it in that way, you don't fail in something. It just didn't work the way you wanted to. That's persistence where you keep plugging away. The other trait, the second trait I want to talk about is optimism. All the classic self-improvement books say a positive mental attitude is the key to success. And it's true. Optimism is a big key. Pessimism is the, I'm sorry, persistence, excuse me. Persistence is the biggest step. 
But optimism is the second for success. As general and ambiguous as that statement can be, the trait of optimism comes closest to capturing the essence of this skill. If you have a sample of handwriting written on unlined paper, you can quickly determine how optimism someone, how optimistic someone really is. You know, it's interesting. There's also theory on whether people write on, uh, line paper or online paper. When we do an analysis, we give them the option. You could send us something on line paper or on online paper. And that tells us a lot. If they write it on line paper, they're people who like to follow rules and regulations. Because on a line piece of paper, it shows you where to start, where to stop, each line. You could skip a line, that's fine. But still, you like rules. You like to tell, have someone tell you what to do. People who choose unlined paper, just blank sheet of paper, those are people, they don't like rules or regulations. They want to do it their way. They can hold the per paper at an angle. They can start in the middle. They can, they can put it landscape and write that way. So people that would like to write an online paper all the time, uh, they're more free thinkers. So watch people. If they have notepads in their office, check the notepads they have. If they're lined notepads, you know that they like rules and regulations and they so deal with that person and doing it the way they want to do it. If it's unlined notepad, no lines on it, you know that person's a little more creative. You can come to them with and give them some ideas. They'll be very open to ideas. Anyway, back to optimism. The more the entire baseline is tilted up and to the right, the more positive the writer is. In other words, you're writing up. The writing goes up. Instead of straight across the paper, it goes up. If you have line paper, it's very difficult to go up. You just don't go up because you do, you, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to stay on that line, so you follow the rules. But on an unlined piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, you can write up. This slanting uphill is an easy trait to remember and accept because both our body language and our spoken language hold parallels to this written subconscious expression. Have you ever heard the phrase, things are looking up? How about the song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life? That was sung by Monty Python in the, the comedy of The Life of Brian. How about the description of someone feeling down, pessimistic? Even your body language goes limp. You kind of sag and you're just not happy, you're depressed. When you're optimistic, you tend to stand up, look up, tilt your head above the horizon. Just holding your head straight and staring at the ceiling fires optimistic thoughts in your brain. So to find out if someone is optimistic or pessimistic, you look at the writing, that the writing on a unlined piece of paper is going up, it's optimism. The more up, the more optimistic the person. A little bit of going up in the writing on a line is a little bit of optimism. The more the upflow, the higher it goes up, the, the more the optimism. If it goes down, writing goes down, then that's someone who's usually depressed and sad. There's one exception, and I want to make sure you understand that. <coughs> In writing, you're writing, if the last word of a letter, I'm sorry, if the last letters of the word on the line go down, that's a little bit different. So you're kind of writing a whole sentence, and at the end of the line, the word is going, G-O-I-N-G, and that kind of falls down a little bit. Then you write another straight line, and the last word is helping, and that word slants down. When the last word on a line slants down, that means you're tired. And what I found was so neat, when I was teaching school, if somebody turned in a sample of their, or not a sample, but the copy of their homework, and those last words always went down, I would say to them, why were you up so late doing your homework? And they'd look at me like, you know, how do you know that? Who told you? But it's just obvious 
it, it works. So watch somebody's riding. If you look at the riding, it's straight across or even going up or even going down, and that last word slinks a little bit, goes at the end, they are tired. It's also good for you to catch yourself. If you see you're riding something and all of a sudden the riding slants down, the last word, you know you're getting tired. Many times you'll see something in your handwriting before you actually realize it. That's a great thing for me is I can realize when I'm getting a little uptight, a little upset, a little irritated, a little frustrated, um, maybe not feeling well in a certain way or tired. I see it in the handwriting before, and I can adjust. So if I see that letter going down that says I'm tired, I'll get up and walk around, get a drink of water and do something and try to get my um, body back in shape. But going back to the idea of optimistic, it really does help. If you're feeling down or need to feel more optimistic, hold your head straight and stare at the ceiling and look up, and it really makes your uh, whole attitude changes. As far as your handwriting goes, you can start writing uphill since your psychological, your psychology affects your mood. So start tilting your handwriting at a little bit of an upgrade angle right now and see how much better you're going to feel. It's much better feeling optimistic than feeling down and feeling poor about things. We're going to take a break, and then when we return, we're going to talk about the desire for responsibility. You're listening to HandwritingSecrets.com. You're listening to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com with your host, Dave Grayson. Thank you. Welcome back, and thank you for listening. Uh, we're talking about uh, if you write like the rich and the famous, we're picking out a few traits of the rich and famous. Uh, optimism was one, the writing that goes up. Uh, of course, the, the opposite isn't always true, but in this it is. The writing that slants downhill is pessimism. We t- talked about persistence. That is probably the most valuable of all traits. If you can get someone to make a persistent T or really it's probably easier to make a persistent F, you really have a, a great ability for success. The other one is a desire for responsibility. And that's what we're going to talk about now. People who have a need to be responsible tend to gravitate toward leadership roles and to get their sense of significance from contributing to the good of the team. In other words, responsibility isn't just handling things, but it's the ability to work together with others and to come together as a team and make it a good, positive team. This personality trait is revealed in the signature or capital letter with a large loop at the beginning of the stroke. If you make the the words, let's say, Michael, you're saying that your name is Michael, you make a big loop at the beginning of the M and then come down. That is responsibility. The larger this loop at the beginning, the more the person desires to be responsible or to be in the spotlight. This trait sounds like it is a desire for attention, but it's not a, that. Desire for attention is self-serving. They desire attention because they want people to notice them. But uh, in uh, responsibility, it's a desire to be a leader, and that's a lot different than a leader is a lot different than someone who wants to be just a showman or the show-off. I coined the term desire for fame as a description of this stroke, which is the same stroke on a large signature. In other words, to me, desire for responsibility is made on a capital letter. If that big loop is made on a name, that's a desire for fame. They want to be important. They want to be the one to be in, in tr- control of things. I, the reason I associate fame with this stroke is because of the sheer number of famous people I've noticed that use this stroke. 
compared to the rest of the population. Executives, I did an article for Crane's Business uh, several years ago where I analyzed 15 top uh, CEOs of the country, and they all had this, all but two or three, had this big desire for responsibility in their signature. It's something very important in successful people. It seems that a large signature and this large hook stroke are common among famous musicians, actors, and celebrities. So that's why it's also a desire for fame. Musicians and actors and celebrities, and you know their signatures often are very ornate and very fancy. The same stroke is also found within the big ego of civic leaders, organizational presidents, and volunteer leaders. This stroke indicates a deep need to win the love, affection, or respect of the group. So again, it also depends upon where we found it and how we find it. Over the last 15 years, the Change Your Brain, Change Your Life movement has received a massive following. So Change Your Handwriting fits right in. Neuroscientists know that using the hand to write instead of a computer has multiple benefits that are practically lost on people who don't write with a pen or pencil. And there's many high school students and college students that can't read cursive and can't write cursive. Motor skills, eye-hand coordination, and focus all develop through handwriting. Now you can see why handwriting isn't so important in the schools because it does affect how one functions. Now we also have at our website a place where you can go and, and it's under cursive and you can order some books there that are for adults. There's some books for children there, but also some adults that teach you how to do cursive. Because again, there are people who can't do cursive. And you're going to find a big difference in your motor skills, your eye-hand coordination, and your focus. Just the mental focus on something I'm talking about. Handwriting analysis is a serious science taught around the world. Rewiring your brain through handwriting change can change your life. Your writing is an output of your brain, and neuroscientists are discovering more about the brain that guides your hands, and we can tell things about you from your handwriting, and we can help you develop certain things in your handwriting to help you improve yourself. So don't be afraid to find out about uh, graphotherapy, change your handwriting, change your life. With expert analysis, you can see positive and negative traits and even predict how someone will react in pressure situations. And we can take those negative traits and make them positive. Some positive traits are uh, the people that work well in a team. They're friendly. They're easy to get along with. Uh, fast thinkers who react quickly to things and they can adjust to changing situations. That's very important for leadership because you never know when you're going to be thrown a curveball. Self-directed, they don't need someone to tell them what to do. They just go ahead and get it done. They're self-motivated. They have high morals. They can be trusted. There's honesty. There's integrity. Those things can be shown in the handwriting. If you don't do them in the handwriting, we can uh, have you learn how to do them. However, I must caution you, if you're a bank robber, you're not going to be able to put these honest traits into your handwriting because that's not a, your your chemical makeup. So there are certain things in the writing we can't change because your body is so built up that it, it can't do it. So... Don't think by being a bank robber you can all of a sudden become honest. It's not going to work that way. But these are positive traits that we can create in most people and help in most people. Some negative traits that people have that we can really change are people that show erratic behavior, kind of one day they're up, one day they're down, one day they're happy, another day they're sad. And that goes along with what we talked about earlier, the optimism and the pessimism. 
Also, someone with unstable emotions. You never know how they're going to react. One morning you'll say hello, and they'll yell at you. The next morning you say hello, they'll give you a hug. The next morning they'll give you a big wave. Uh, so we can help the person stabilize their emotions by stabilizing the, the slant of their writing. Another negative trait is argumentativeness or disagreeableness. We can kind of take a lot of argumentativeness out of people, train them how not to always react to something. The argumentativeness is seen in the letter P. They always have to have the last word. They always have to, you know, you say something, you walk away, they're going to say something else. They might say it out loud or they might say it under their breath, but they're going to just be disagreeable, and we can work on that. A person who tends to get angry easily, that doesn't take much to set them off. And you know with people, that if you work with someone like that, you're always kind of working, walking on eggshells, being careful not to light that fuse that gets them going because then their day is ruined and your day is ruined and so a lot of other people's days are ruined. Another one is someone who gets easily upset, gets frustrated easily. That's an eye dot. Uh, that just shows if the I dot, if you make the letter I, small case I, and you put a dot above it, that's being direct, that's being loyal, that's being following rules. If you take, if you make the I dot and make it like a chicken scratch, we call it, that's frustration. They get upset easily. They get ticked off easily. The little things drive them crazy. So we can change your, attitude about things and how you deal with things, certainly by changing your handwriting through graphical therapy. Well, we've covered a lot of territory today. That's about it for today. Thank you for listening. This has been Dave Grayson, Handwriting Secrets Revealed. And for now, I'm signing off. Thank you. Thank you.